Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, Hell party. yeah! It's a Friday, it's the UBP, it's the UBP! UBP, the UBP. I have changed the UBP air horn, it's the... It's as far nice. as I can drop in, but I am Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. Hello everyone. It's the Untitled Banter Podcast, where we round up all sorts of different questions, talking points, whatever's going on in the gaming industry, and it seems like a whole bunch of stuff is going on again. It's like oh, Far Cry's back, Metroid Dread is out, the Nintendo Switch OLED is out, there's a Battlefield 2042 beta, there's just there's a lot the of stuff thing going is, on. It feels like um, at that moment when Han Solo's like coming out of uh, the cryo-freeze, and he's just like, he's like <laughs> I can't see, I can't do anything. He's just weary. The gaming industry is alive, ladies and gentlemen. He, the gaming industry. Can't see, can't see at all, but they are alive. No, everything is very much blurry right now, but I think things will slowly come into view. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, we'll get to all these different talking points. Because you've been living with the Switch for a week or so, a couple oh, of weeks-ish. Baby, There's... right. Should we, should we let people understand this? Because they might be yes. tuning in thinking, what the hell is going on? Yes. So I have finally joined the Nintendo Switch party. The uh, we reviewed the uh, OLED system and Metroid Dread, and Scott, out of the kindness of his heart, said, you don't have a Switch. Do you want the opportunity <laughs> to review this? And I was like, yes, please. Please, daddy, and then <laughs> gave, this, gave this little nugget of treasure, and I turned it on, and I was like, "Oh, this is oh, ooh. it's the all the things that I made was like a chimpanzee was being thrown into a blender, mate. I was excited. <laughs> Well, you've got like four years worth of stuff to catch up on. Like you've got the, I mean, we'll get to this because we had a lot of questions yeah. about Nintendo yeah, stuff. Yeah, sure, 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 um, sure. So we'll do these things in, uh, I've, I've mixed up the order of stuff that um, the questions come in as usual, but we'll get mm-hmm. to different things. Um, so yes, first question from Jacob Wright, who just says, Legends of the Podcast, thoughts on the latest Resident Evil film trailer? Well, thank you very much for the Legends <laughs> comment, but I'll tell you what's not legendary is the new Resident Evil film trailer. What's your thoughts? Because we've not talked about this yet, but I know oh. you've seen the trailer. So this is the thing. Scott said about 10 minutes before this podcast, <laughs> take a weekend. Have you seen it? Get your peepers peeped on that. And I was like, okay, <laughs> Resident Evil, uh, new film. I thought that it was a straight to Netflix TV series. I thought that it was that. It feels like it. But but no, it is uh, Welcome to Raccoon City, a brand new film that attends to be an origin story, yet starts with <laughs> events from Resident Evil 2. What the chuff are you on about? Are My you thing, taking the absolute piss? It's just the production value on it. Like, I don't, I, the whole, everyone got a bit up in arms about the casting. I don't really care about the casting ever. I'm just, if you do it well, it's fine. Yeah, but, like, my true. thing is the, the budget, the production value. Like, there's a few CG shots in this that look like they were made, you know, for a £10 crisp right. note. 
I'm there's not, not much going on. I'm not going to lie. I thought that the uh, FMVs were ripped straight from uh, from the GameCube <laughs> Resident Evil 1 remake. I was still like, oh, whoa, that's a very well, even looking liquor. Yeah, well, you get to see like you get to see a liquor at the end, and they end on, on like a liquor's face or whatever. Um, but there's one bit where they show like a giant thing with like a mouth, and its mouth is like below I, that's its gonna head. That's going to be one of Birkin's um, mutator. Right. It looks like Flowey from the end of Undertale yeah. too. It just looks like this giant sort of over mutated thing that like yeah. just looks really angular and weird. But yeah, I think I don't you know. hit the nail on the head, mate. Over mutated is definitely mm. what this film is going to be because I do not understand why, in an origin story of all things, mm -hmm. that they would decide to take events from two games which have more than enough content to fill out a movie a piece each mm -hmm. and then say hey actually the things that we are going to be rewriting to tie in all of these events together is that we're going to make claire know more about umbrella than <laughs> chris does i'm sorry See, I'm chris, not... chris literally spent all of his life researching umbrella before and knew that there was shady <laughs> demons going on and you're telling me that she has to convince chris that umbrella are uh, the bad guys okay that okay is, that is blowing my egg brain so you you and Benroy have a much more like you guys know the law way better than I do I didn't even notice that stuff my thing is more that like I said the production looks a bit naff and I also tonally like I I liked the original the Alice movies let's call them the Alice Resident yeah, Evils yeah, like they were dumb only because of Colin Salmon but the, well, Colin Salmon, the legend that is, but I mean, like that whole run of movies were terrible. But every single time a new one came out, me and my friends would go watch it, and we would just like have fun at how stupid and schlocky and dumb and self-aware all those movies were. And so that was a hell of a ride. And I, I thought their whole mandate with the new one was that they were going to do like a more gritty style thing. And it's not that this I want Resident Evil to be grounded yeah. at all, but I still because that's the thing. It's that's the curious or the big question or the big talking point is this thing looks campy as hell, which I Resident Evil is campy as hell. Yeah, so I'm yeah, like, true, okay, true, true. you can do that again, but why bother doing this reboot this whole origin thing this whole potential new casting and everything else if yeah. you're just going to do another throwaway camp fest like it's we can do that but we have done that so i kind of yeah. wonder why the only grittiness in this entire project is the visual fidelity of those <laughs> cgi graphics mate they look absolutely ropey tarzan <sighs> could swing on them they're that bad. <laughs> like i I personally am all up for the sort of like over the top and silliness and the B movie schlock like yes, saying, same. The Resident Evil thing. Punch some actually, boulders, mate. Like, as much as much as people will say that, like, I mean, I've made it very clear I don't like the Resident Evil Alice movies that much, but I right. do enjoy the first one because at least it was like cool. We're going to mm. tell a, a, when we use the word origin story, we are literally going to reboot it, remake it in our own image. That's mm -hmm. fine because it stands alone as separate and you can judge it on its own merits. Mm -hmm. Here, they're trying to ape too many elements of the games that all you're doing is drawing comparisons to them and saying, no, that's not where it should be or yeah. how it should be. Another thing as well is the amount of fan service that's in here. I have a weird thing where if you're if you're deliberately going, look how much we've done from the games, like that can't mask that a lack of quality. Like just because you've written itchy tasty on a on a wall yeah. doesn't mean that you get a free pass for everything else. Like that was the solo uh, Star Wars solo approach where it's oh we're we're referencing the Jedi Masters of Terrace Cassie. Yeah. Remember you that? Like you can't no. hate us if we're constantly telling you how good we were. That's yes. the mentality that they approach with, but that doesn't work. So oh, I did the homework, and I'm like, yeah, you can Google those things like it's not yeah. that's not enough so i don't know i I'm, I'm curious about it i guess but i i don't i don't see the point of it i thought it was going to be something different and it's not again it's not that i want a gritty resident evil i think resident evil is just big dumb fun and it's kind yeah. of ridiculous and you can do resident evil 8 was so like multifaceted like you had the wolf stuff you had the silent hill style level you had like lily dimitress and like but you still have the but big monsters and it. stuff it plays yeah. into the sort of like the overall campiness of what it is very anime the day, these days when you're like looking at it when you're looking at a giant werewolf it like 
horror treads the line between being genuinely horrific and mm. comedy so finely that you have to embrace that some people are going to laugh at your monster. They are just <laughs> going to go like, I'm sorry, but that's just ridiculous to yeah. me. Whereas other no, people are terrified by it. So the balance between saying, hey, look, we are ridiculous at the same time, that can work. Here, it's just like, I don't know, they're playing it straight and it's not. Yeah, and like Resident Evil in general, like, I mean, Resident Evil 7, I would say, was way more grounded, was just this kind of Texas Chainsaw style thing. But then at the end, when Baker mutates, it becomes like Resident Evil 6 again. And it's this big, dumb oil monster that you're killing and stuff. And then A is so crazy and over the top. I think Resident Evil has so many different strands to its personality that, like, either go down that route and that's cool, but then I'm kind of like, why don't you just continue what we had? I don't know. I just thought the overall production quality, the tone, none of that stuff landed for me. There was one thing that I did like from it, though, mm. and that is that, uh, do you remember in the Resident Evil 2 remake, they introduced those um, um, enemies, or was it the 3 remake, where they were, like, mm. covered in white, and they were, like, uh, they were like just white zombies that couldn't die and kept Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I can't remember the name of them now. That's just escaped me. But they seem to have introduced that enemy into mm. this film because it had the scientist who had the... I'm not going to make fun of him, but he had no, like no. Pro pro prominent dental work. That's yes. what they were focusing on in the shot. And he <laughs> had the same teeth structure when you could tell that that was the mutated thing that pinned down right, right. later on. And mm. I think that they're meant to be that zombie thing which keeps getting back up again. Oh, like, possibly. So the thing is... That, that would be what it is. That would be all right. Yeah, I've seen uh, Ben Roy point out. I'm sure Lisa Trevor is also in this. It's the the girl. I caught, I caught a she looks like she's wearing a zombie onesie. Like she does. It yeah, doesn't look like it's yeah. part of a mutated face. It just looks like her face is inside, like a like a zipped no, up well, thing. They they have her thing is is that they tried to stitch her back up again and again and again. So I right. think that they're trying to go for like a leather face thing where maybe she's like it taking just... the faces of her victims to try and look. Oh, okay, cool. Again. That's but a bit I, better. I think that might be what they're going. I think it's. I think for me, it's going to be the production quality and just the way that it's shot. It just it looks quite cheap. But at the same time, there is a way for that to just be fun, like big dumb yeah. fun. You can do whatever you want. Um, and the Resident Evil fandom will enjoy that. But yeah. I think that my closing point on it is that they're mm. trying to do way too much and I feel like they're going to under-deliver across the board because when you look at the things that they have to work with, mm -hmm. you, you're hitting so many boxes, having like the William Birkin thing, having like this regenerating zombie, mm -hmm. having the Cerberus dogs, having like, there's Wesker in there, there was this guy. Like there's all these people, all these characters, all these elements coming in. Mm. You feel like that it's just too much because what we didn't see was, didn't see any hunters. They are pretty much no. like very, very much tied to the series. Didn't see nemesis but i bet you anything that they will shoehorn him or mr x in he'll be a post-credits thing yeah it'll be like a boom boom knock yeah. through the wall and she'll be like oh cut. That'll be they'll, they'll absolutely do a post-credits thing for that i think but yeah it's just i think it's just weird leaning on fan service that much and also when it's beat for beat what we've got in the games oh look it's the zombie turn from the first game i just for me yeah. personally that stuff doesn't track with me where i just kind of go okay but what else have you actually brought to the table other than just mining my love for a thing that's already there so yeah. i i'm curious i guess i'm optimistic i hope it's lands that weird tone it's kind of yeah. half going for but the trailer itself looked very cheap um next question from stark hunter 49 who says i've listened to the show every week since it started so hopefully you won't hate me for this but what's the big deal with nintendo i've tried and tried with them and i just can't <laughs> get into any of their properties except breath of the wild although i was only born in 1998 so i think you know what, mate there's no shame in being born in 1998 big up, <laughs> big up to all other people listening who were born in the year of metal gear solid mate it's it's a very good year to, to arrive on this earth but i mean that's the thing N nintendo overall i definitely grew up as a Sega kid and then I went into but I also had I had a Game Boy so that was kind of like I never had a Nintendo home console um, until the Switch actually I, just, I was always at a friend's house for GameCubes and stuff like that mm -hmm. so I get the um, what some people refer to as the N Nintendo tilt it's like oh Nintendo have done something therefore it's the best thing ever and I yeah. think that sometimes it can be it can be um, like obvious when you go into something and go okay what's really so good about Kirby or what's really so good about Mario oh my god isn't it just a 3D platformer and I think 
what's your general thought on this before I end up doing a, a big old thing about why Nintendo are the best? I think that Nintendo have managed to craft this amazing niche within the market of being mm. like infallible yet making some very dodgy mistakes <laughs> in the past. Like, oh, business-wise, yeah, it, totally. Because of the fact that they've generated this image of their company being as much as Sony tried to champion that thing of for the players, that's mm. what they're trying to do. They're trying to say that their players are their family. You grew up with Nintendo, you know, and therefore love Nintendo. And because of the fact that they're going to put out one or two games every single six months or something mm. for a first party thing and always keep those exclusive to that title, they generate that sort of rabid fan base that will fight tooth and nail to say that they're the best. They, you know they, they always, they've always generated, ever since moving out of the 16 and 32-bit era, mm -hmm. um, with the GameCube, they became the underdog and mm -hmm. they used that as much as they could, spun into it, lent into it as much as mm. they could, so that loving Nintendo was like loving that band who hasn't yet fully broken into the mainstream. Weirdly, really yeah. captivated all of your like mates' attentions. So it's like they're always on the cusp of just being like, we are mainstream, even though they're mm. making billions and well, billions that's the thing, of dollars. Like, they are like, I think for me, like it's, it's everything. I think the business side of them is fascinating. They do make really stupid mistakes all the time. They overcharge for everything because they are they are able to do that through their sheer reputation. But we music takes the title. That, that is, <laughs> we music, but it's just, I think for me, it's like they're off, they're off on their own little island in regards to business decisions. And I think that does make them constantly interesting or, or innovative. And um, but also their history, like they are so responsible for the fundamentals of the gaming industry. Like you literally wouldn't have the industry today if not for the way that they handle themselves. That's what they trade on. It's yes. the fact that you they go like, look, we we saved gaming, we brought gaming into your homes. We made it work in the West. Always yeah. respect us. That mm -hmm. that's the, the mentality. And they'll never come out and say that because that no. would ruin them, break the illusion. But that is the image they generate. You want to talk about like where it got to a certain point of, of ridiculousness, um, or self-aware ridiculousness in my case, is like when they announced the new Kirby, I forget I think it's called Lost World or something. The, the new one that the looks like one. Yeah, Kirby yeah. in Last of Us Land. And like that one, I was going crazy for that. And it's literally just Kirby in a 3d environment but he it's not been done oh my god like oh it's going to be this big thing and i think that there's a level of obviously they used to trade on it with the nintendo seal of quality but there's a level of perfected game mechanics in there and you can lean on them history wise you know you can look at the z the z targeting from ocarina of time or whatever you want to look at the invention of the metroid formula something like that and yeah. um, like i said they're fundamentally responsible for everything in gaming or at least the big broad strokes of it minus loot systems but most things and i think that you know then when they do any one thing and it's like, oh that's really cool why has no one done that or that that's yeah. a perfected version of a certain trope um, and maybe if you grew up with those characters they really land it's it's a mix of all those things it reminds me kind of like um, how Studio Ghibli operates when mm. doing their films. Like they always choose one facet to really focus on, like mm -hmm. whether it's going to be food or animating water, or it's going to be something that you walk away from that experience just thinking, oh man, that mm -hmm. one particular thing above all else was fantastic. Mm -hmm. They apply that logic to their games. They, they make one mechanic or they do one, they approach a problem in a way that you've not thought of so well yeah. that it becomes such a integral part of the game and of the industry that it becomes impossible to ignore it. They also, the way that they write their games, like they're not very, the thing is, if the thing that Stock Hunter's getting at is that they're just not for him, maybe you want something more mature than anything that Nintendo is ever going to do. And that's completely fine. The thing that, like I said, the way they write their games is they leave a lot of gaps. There's a lot of like, it's yeah. very threadbare character writing. So you can imprint on yourself, uh, whatever aspects from that. I mean, people love Kirby. Kirby's my favorite Nintendo character. There's nothing to him. He's a circle with a face and a couple of feet. Well, and that's about at, it. Um, look at how their biggest mascots, they 
barely say anything. They yes, have exactly. It's basically like you say, uh, imprint onto them. So it's mm-hmm. like Mario doesn't talk. Kirby doesn't really talk. Doesn't like. It's like yeah. they have these mascots that you just go, they're so unoffensive. That it's well, I think it's have- yeah, it's like Pixar style. It's just sort of like they've managed to walk that line. It's Disney. It's Pixar. It's that sort of immortal, almost childlike approach to something where it's like, oh, it's it's kind of wholesome. I love it. I, I love that it's in my life, and I think that like they have that spirit to them. They have that charm to them. Um, not to discount the fact that they've made some horrific business decisions. I'm literally, as we're recording this, I'm waiting for my 300 pound new switch that just has a new screen on it. It's not even, what am I doing? I mean, I'm getting excited for a 3D platform and a new Nintendo console with a new switch, hey, a new screen. Fair, but... you, should, you should be fair uh, excited for Metroid Dread. It is a good I know. game. It is a real good game. That's the thing. I think, yeah, I think it boils down to what they brought to the industry and what they continue to fall back on. They've never done a loot system and an EA style money grubby thing. They have specific I tenants. You can trust in them. That, that is that is uh, that is incorrect. You think uh, so? Do you, not, do you not remember the Mario Kart mobile game uh, where they had the pipes that shot okay, okay, the okay. Yes, that was their, That was pretty scummy. Right? I literally, like, literally, like, into a double think, completely discard the fact yeah. that they make mobile games. Like, <laughs> the, yes, because there is. There's Fire Emblem. There's Mario. Yeah. I'm, I'm discarding that entirely. But you know, you're right. Um, and if you go down Pokemon Go's thing, obviously that was Niantic, but they were part of that to some oh, degree. Yeah, that's very monetizable yeah. as well. Um, but overall, it's an interesting conversation. Obviously, one that we could potentially do a whole podcast on because um, there is that big love yeah. for Nintendo, but they're a big multifaceted thing. Um, speaking to, of, yes. So just to go back to Stark Hunter's thing, like just because mm. you don't gravitate towards them doesn't mean that you're wrong in any way. No. Like you can like whatever um, video games uh, that you like. It's just a case of, uh, I think that the reason that Nintendo has endured for so long is because it's whimsy on a disc yes. or in a cartridge. <laughs> in their sense. I think if you have access to it, go back, do the classics, go back, try Super Mario World. If the, if the music and the presentation and the animation doesn't land with you, then it's just not for you and that's fine. Um, but like in a, in a 2D sense, a lot of people just point to that game as like Nintendo incarnate. Um, and that, that is like one of the biggest recommendations. He said he enjoyed Breath of the Wild, which I guess is a bigger, more expansive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Nintendo, though, I kind of wanted to roll together because you asked for um, Switch game recommendations, I which did, we got yes. an absolute ton. So I'm going to nice. roll through quite a few of these. Um, so we, this is just to run down all the recommendations that people threw in that I think are absolutely um, everybody worth playing. Um, Octopath Traveler, Smash Brothers Ultimate, Mario and Rabbids. Now, me and you argued about Mario and Rabbids back in the day. It. I'm getting I'm so glad you're finding it to play. Mario and Rabbids <laughs> is hands down the best strategy game of how long? How long, Jules? 20 just, years? It might I just be. Don't wanna, I don't want to be upset when I play it and I'm just like, oh, XCOM. <laughs> like my one true it, love is the way that by the stupid <laughs> sack of flour that's had the piss kicked out of it. The thing with, um, yeah, that's the thing. I'm glad, I, I want a lot of people to experience Mario and Rabbids. The way that thing plays, the way you chain moves together is unlike any other turn-based strategy. I really, really love it. Um, Splatoon 2, Astral Chain. Astral Chain might be the most overlooked action game in recent memory. It's brilliant. Platinum action game uh, that was made only for the Switch. Um, Zelda Link's Awakening, Pokemon Let's Go. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Hyrule Warriors for the Dynasty Warriors fan in you, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, and The Last Campfire. The Last Campfire is the Hello Games follow-up to No Man's Sky, which is just a nice little cutesy puzzle game, um, which I totally recommend as well. That's a lot of games. It is a lot of games. That is a lot of games, actually. Um, I... I wasn't expecting that many titles to be like immediate records. <laughs> Get them all right now. I, I think mean, those I, that's from everybody who's sent them in, I've been, yeah. I've been speaking to um, Dows about this and mm. yourself, and I know for a fact that Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild are the two that I need to get first. So yes. I managed to secure myself a copy of uh, Breath of the Wild for 30 bones, which is very good. In, in so let me time. very quickly throw this in because we had a couple of questions as well about Nintendo's pricing oh, okay, cool. and yeah, just yeah, saying, cool. you know, the way that Nintendo operate, will digital prices ever come down and why are Nintendo's prices so high? So what's what's your experience with this? Because we've been, we've been DMing about the reality of you experiencing Nintendo pricing. 
so this is the thing like you go onto the east or east store and i was just like okay cool have a little browse and there's a massive <laughs> sale on blockbuster sale i was like oh this is the perfect time their sale is the stuff. worst use of that word so i looked at it and i was like, like mario odyssey down from like 64 pounds down to 50 pounds <laughs> i was like looking at it I was like, that's not a sale that's no the full price you're overcharging me just to cut a bit off to say that it's what are you what and then it was like uh breath of the wild wasn't even on there and i was right. like okay fair enough Brilliant. no sale for breath of the wild then it reminds like, me I was just like, I was not impressed with the uh, the prices, but no, I, I've been told that this is just Nintendo part of the course. Like Kinda. they do not discount their first party titles because where else are you going to get them from? Like, well, they yeah, charge you whatever you want because you are locked in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, and they also actually, I'm going to throw in Luigi's Mansion to that list as well. Ooh. But um, that's a really good like follow up to the old school ones. But yeah, that's the thing. Like they, we talk about that like Nintendo reputation or whatever they represent. They know that, and they're like, oh, you're going to pay sixty pounds a premium price point to play Breath of the Wild or play whatever. And sometimes that there's a bad side to that. Where maybe the game isn't long enough or something. But I think they're. Ex- expecting you to pay for a certain level yeah. of perfected quality. It's not like Nintendo games bug and glitch out very much, now, if at as, all, really. As a disclaimer, I feel mm-hmm. like just to jump back onto Metroid Dread, um, yes. Metroid Dread is retailing at a full price at mm-hmm. the moment. It is considered to be worth £60, mm-hmm. um, which I have to say, I blasted through that game in seven hours. That's where I completed it for the first one. The thing is, is that do you think that seven hours of some of the best gameplay that I've experienced in a mm-hmm. long, long, long time is worth that price? For me, I actually would say no. I would say right. a forty pound price tag is, is mm-hmm. where it's at. But I didn't realize that there were that price when I did the review for the channel. I was mm-hmm. like looking at it, just going like, "Wait, this is how much they're charging." Well, you I never really know. Slightly discounted one because yeah. I saw pre-order prices that were varying wildly in mm-hmm. flux. I was like okay right what's going on here, well i mean i'm like for me i'm buying the special edition so it's like i think it's 80 or 90 pounds but it comes with like an art book and 90, stuff but 90 pounds. it's a fair whack it's like it's some steel book thing with an art i mean i massive metroid fan it's the yeah, first one in how 17 years or something so um or maybe even longer than that but um yeah so i was like i'll get everything but yeah it is down to each individual person's disposable income but nintendo pricing they are known for it and it's not to excuse it but that just is the reality of the way they do business if you want a nintendo first party title it's going to be astronomical it's gonna be high priced the only thing that i thought was very strange is that that pricing model seems to have been adopted by other publishers mm. uh, on the platform and i mm-hmm. was like wait hold on a minute why is um this version of like doom eternal uh retailing at a higher price than the pc version when let's face it because of the specifications of the hardware mm. it is the inferior version well there so is like, mm. um there is a term i can't think the exact percentage right now but there's a term called nintendo tax nintendo charge more for people selling stuff on the nintendo store versus the playstation store and the xbox um, store so um some publishers if they're not willing to eat that cost necessarily will just hike up the price to make the difference that, up they get that shady that yeah that's, that's well it's just business damage. it's just sort of it's just nintendo it sucks well, no, no that's not but, yeah. that's not business that's like a uh, a um what they've done <laughs> is that they're operating within an oligopoly market they've got a lot of big players in there yet they yes. are t- cornering their own market by turning their own storefront into a monopoly and that you have to pay them a well, it's, it's like for. it's one of those things where it's just like does the average person know about that no it, like are they just assuming that people will pay for this thing like yes like it's just like they trade so yes. yes and it's just like and again it's not to excuse it it does yeah. suck but it, they, these are sadly just the business realities of the way they do business and um, because they have like you said a lockdown first party mm-hmm. storefront um and they're like their trade-in market is so low and etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's 
Nintendo are a fascinating beast because of all yeah. these things. I feel like we should do like a deep dive on like mm. everything. Not not like a like a to criticize them in like a, what everything they've done wrong, but a, a brutal truth on a, like an honest mm. look at Nintendo would be quite a good. I might um thing. yeah I might put out um because we're okay to do community posts and stuff. I might just put out as a general question: Do we think that Nintendo are like overrated or something oh, like that? Because I don't think so. But it's one of those questions. There's obviously going to be all the for the um the console wars. People going like, yes, of course they yeah. they couldn't even do a Last of Us. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, next thing down is Far Cry 6. And um, people are just asking whether it's worth the money, whether or not it is just literally another cash in because no, it's I've Far Cry. This, so I'll ask you the question, <laughs> is it worth the money now? Oh god, it's it's more Far Cry. If you like some Far Cry, I think it's the best one since three. Um, I wouldn't pay sixty pounds for it because it is just more Far Cry. I think if you want to scratch that itch, I would just get one of the older ones. To be honest, I would get the remaster of three. Um, it depends how much, how many different Far Cries you've played. I think if you're burned out on the formula, it's not going to bring you back. Um, one of the reasons I'm loving it so much is that I didn't click that much with five. I thought it was fine, I but it went on ducked out at five. Right, yeah. it just went on way too long, and I played all of them too. Like I played all the Far Cries, and so it was. 
one of those things where I played it for a whole bunch of hours. I finished it. I was just like, oh my God, I am done with this. Um, and it's just for whatever reason, time distortion across the pandemic, whatever. Um, I'm really liking Far Cry 6, but it is the big, stupid, crazy version of that game. But it's, I mean, it's 4K60. It runs really nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a perfected version of that formula. You get way more abilities at the start than you do in any of the other ones. So it kind of just hits the ground running and then um, you can just dive into it. My worry is, though, that if that is the best that Far Cry can be, if it is the mm. polishing of that formula, then where do you go from here? Because we already had, like, for me personally, mm-hmm. I want to see them return to the more crazier side of things, like when they put out Blood Dragon. Like, I want something oh, okay. like that. Like, go full on ridiculous. They did do, they kind of did that for Far Cry 5's DLC. They, like, let you go to Mars, and there was, like, an, like an aliens the thing. And like, um, it was all like, crazy. Like, there was, like, Primal, then there was New Dawn and stuff. So I, I feel like they've rinsed the living hell out of the formula overall. Um, Primal and was bad though. Primal I didn't mind really Primal to be honest, like but <laughs> it was like they took out a lot of the technology, obviously, because it was so long ago. But I liked the little owl companion and stuff. But yeah, ultimately, it's more Far Cry. I think it's very streamlined Far Cry. If you love the formula and you're not burnt out on it, you'll enjoy it. But I would also say that you shouldn't pay sixty pounds for it. I think you should wait until um, there's at least ten, fifteen pounds knocked off it or dollars. Um, next. Know. Question from Carol Tabsia. See, the thing is, I tried Googling this dude's name because I'm trying to, I want to say his name properly. I tried Googling his name. Um, so apologies. Please, please message me and let me know how to say your name properly. Um, I think it's Carol Tabsia, but I'm probably yeah. completely wrong. But he says, hello, legends. What do you think will be the next big innovation in gaming? Also, what do you guys think about James Bond and No Time to Die? Now, I've not seen No Time to Die. But I'm not a bondsman. I'm not a not a bond fan. I am not. I am not a bondsman. I am a kingsman now. If we're going to do sort of more uh, sort of silly spy stuff, it's got to be kingsman because that's just a bit of a laugh. Um, mm-hmm. Just to give my two cents in on the Bond franchise, I think that it was fantastic when Daniel Craig started. Casino Royale is easily one of my favorite mm. uh, Bond films ever made. Mm-hmm. But I haven't actually liked any film that he's put out afterwards. I feel like the hype builds it up to be way more than it can be. Right. And when it's delivered, it's just like hey, look, it's another villain with facial scarring. Uh, he's slightly European. He's got a that. plan. Yeah, he's got a plan. And usually that plan isn't actually that good. Like, it's just, <laughs> it could fall apart in so many ways. I think um, I would actually almost 100% back you. I think that I love Casino Royale and then uh, Quantum was terrible. I Skyfall was fine. Like, I, But I mean, I know that that's blasphemy. About- People love Skyfall, but... The yeah. thing is that like Skyfall was one of those things where I watched it and I was like, okay, it's just Home Alone. Uh, you're like, okay, kind of. Uh, By the end of it, is it is, yeah. And I and I hated the fact that anyone with and I'm not saying that if you like Skyfall that you're that you're stupid, <laughs> but I am saying that if you take a step back and look at the conveniences of the main villain's plot to escape the London Underground, right, how yeah. many things just happen to happen at the right time? It's just like that sort of stuff. It takes I you really out of it. dislike because mm. it's like you're not actually planning. You're not showing your villain a streak. What you're doing is just being incredibly lucky. <laughs> There's a lot of like luck in that series. Like, I mean, the bit in Skyfall everyone loves with on the train where it all goes like sideways and crashes and then he manages to get out of it and he does his cuffs up like he's just managed to get yeah. out of it. But I just, I don't know, I've never been a massive Daniel Craig as Bond fan. Like I don't mind him. In, I like him in Casino Royale, it's fine. But overall his level of like smarm, I don't find yeah. it endearing. I just oh, find mate. it boring. <laughs> so it, to be fair, on the smarm scale, he's actually one of the lower ones. I mean, he Roger is. Moore is like these he's slick with smile he's drinking <laughs> it from every every pore the thing is I, my my bond is pierce brosnan i've only seen the pierce brosnan ones i've never seen wait, the classics your bond is pierce but i don't have i don't have a reference point my my is reference is golden eye because of Goldeneye, yeah, literally, yeah. I saw Goldeneye in the cinema when I was like eight or whatever I was, and I thought that was like the best thing ever. Um, and then that's almost it. Die another day. And then you went home and ridiculous. played Goldeneye, and it's exactly, and it cemented, it cemented itself in. It. 
yeah, and that was it. And so I've never gone back to the classics. I know that Sean Connery's the one, and people talk about Timothy Dalton being like you know reappreciated these good, days. Yeah. yeah. So there's all that. I know that Bond fans might have already unsubscribed from this podcast by now because we've said so many blasphemous things. James <laughs> blasphemous, but I don't. I mean, we, I can't. I don't know. I'm going to go see No Time to Die, but yeah. my plan is to rewatch all of the Craig ones and then go to the last one, and then that's oh, like 15 that's years worth of slog. storytelling. But I was like, well, I might as well do it. Pro- I might as well do it properly before I yeah, like sure. finish it out. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm, I'm... don't know. I'm glad that they're moving away from him. I want a sort mm. of like a fresh take on it. And I think that the series needs to sort of step away from itself and start reevaluating what it wants to be as a franchise going mm-hmm. forward. Like everyone said the moment that uh, Daniel Ray took over, that the times are changing. Like mm-hmm. it's not the same. Craig himself hates being Bond. Yeah, because of the fact that he's stuck within a, uh, like a paradigm of just being like, this is what a, a masculinity is mm. versus this is what society is, is at the moment in the real world. So I would, he's uh, always in conflict with that. Yeah, I would genuinely love if they did. Uh, I guess maybe like you know, keep Bond male if you if you need to for the sake of the story I'm about to sketch out. But do a really good progressive dissection of masculinity in the modern day, and that doesn't mean like you know you do, you just take that whatever that means to a certain team of creatives. I would love to see that a genuine risk with what it means to be Bond in the modern yeah. day and try and because that character has so so much of a history with toxic masculinity. And but and Daniel Craig himself said like he's a horrible individual. I think that's the thing that puts a lot of people off him. Um, so it's like trying to thread that needle could you still make something that felt like bond but also felt more respectable or yeah. whatever in the modern day that, that might be quite interesting in terms of and um, what do you think will be the next innovation in gaming i don't know because it was meant to be vr by yeah, that's thing it, was it ain't gonna be, be that Nah, i feel like they've already gotten like sick of that toy haven't they um, i <laughs> think that there's more sensory stuff will be uh, developed for the market. Like you can see those full body rigs that people have got for those like mm. action games. Now there's mm-hmm. like uh, sensors that you can put onto your body that will like stimulate sort of like different things when you get shot and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's like synaptic feedback or whatever it's called. I feel like that moving forward will develop from VR and maybe Imagine we all just get this- suits. Yeah. I imagine it will create this sort of like huge space sort of thing. But the problem is, is that, VR tech hasn't got cheaper. Everyone mm. was saying that they would jump on and there is, is brilliant quality, the stuff that's out there. Mm-hmm. But it's just like no big titles are being made for it anymore mm. and no one's putting the money into making this uh, technology cheaper and more available for everyone. I, I'm curious like what you do because the thing with VR that I think no one really capitalized on or at least in the console space was like, I always liken it to when analog sticks came around. As soon as we got two analog sticks that fundamentally changed how games control. Like you can move and you can do the camera and that changes, like it just changes everything. And so like in VR, one of the things that stood out to me was that you can look you can sort of like aim in two places at once like one arm shooting that way one arm shooting the other way yeah, and yeah. you can look around at the same time I was like, well, that's a fundamental advancement of like being in a 3D space but hardly any games took advantage of that or hardly any games make you go oh my god I need to do that in VR because I need to try this thing and so like that was the thing with analog sticks it was like oh my god I need to try that because that's a cool way to move a game yeah. Ape Escape still one of the best games of all time but the first time I, I played that I wrote about it today first time I played it was like still oh my god this plays like nothing yeah. else and so i think vr needs that maybe that's what the actual innovation would be in vr some sort of game kind of like a half-life alex that just makes you go i need to try this that's what they're it, waiting was, on. it was one of those things where i was writing about ape escape today and i knew that i was somewhere pissing you off because of that, <laughs> that i was writing about how ape escape uh, on the loose uh, for the psp and then vita was a terrible terrible remake why why did you say that to a public because, audience of people okay here's, here, here we go right? we'll talk about it uh, the entry itself just quickly uh-huh. ape escape literally championed for the fact that you've got two thumbsticks it made its entire gameplay around the use of oh, yeah, right yeah it was only mandated that you could only play it using the uh, dual shot controller 
Yes. Now, what's the one big problem that a PSP has? <laughs> the little one bloody thumbstick. <laughs> the so, thing is, you're you're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. I think the, uh, the actually thinking back on playing that on PSP, the control scheme is horrendous. So I just love the first Ape Escape so much, but it's yeah. not enough to mask the reality of what they did. Um, but yeah, I would hope for something in the VR space, but I yeah. I genuinely don't know. I, I've been appreciating the amount of games that are just 4K 60 as standard, or at least 60 frames a second um, as standard. I feel like that does make a meaningful difference, and I know that all the PC people have been screaming that for years. Mm-hmm. But when you when when the average benchmark becomes sixty frames a second, everything just feels better as yeah. a game. That's not a revolution, but I like that as a general advancement thing. Mm-hmm. Um, next question from Matthew McGowan, who says we often talk about the best six out of ten games, but what are the best eight out of ten games? Oh man, something that's good in every way without being great. Some of their votes would be The Darkness, Dark Sector, Blood Wake, Kill Switch, and Condemned Criminal Origins. Dark that's a lovely. Sector. I haven't Dark thought Sector. about that game in so long, man. Dark Sector's got Lex Luthor in it. The guy that played Lex in yeah. Smallville is yeah. the main lad in Dark Sector. I love Dark Sector, but I thought it, it fell off the off a cliff towards the second half because I loved when you had the glaive. That, that's a game where you throw a glaive in slow motion. Yeah. It's like a big spinny thing, and you can cut dudes' legs off and stuff with it in slow motion. It was great. Very yeah, attitude era. Film Crawl. I haven't seen Crawl. What's Crawl? Crawl's good, man. It's so Have they got a glaive in it? Is there a big spinny glaive in it? Literally, is it he like that's that's what um this mystical glaive is. It's got three prongs and a jewel in the middle. And he throws it and he can control it. And it's like not nowhere near enough stuff in games where you can throw it and then track the thing you've thrown. Like you know, it was in Heavenly Sword. Battlerang in Arkham, yeah, totally. And then like there's like hardly any games like Assassin's Creed, I guess, brought it back where you can follow the arrow a bit, but let me throw a glaive at some dude's legs and let me cut cut them off, mate. I just that's all want to do so i would totally back dark sector the darkness is brilliant as well the first one i actually just rebought that and um, i'll throw in aliens versus predator um from oh, really? uh, rebellion oh totally yeah i mean okay. maybe that's more of a seven out of ten i don't know we're getting more, more we're very specific one, it? but i really like that i really like that game um, um yeah i would put in uh maximo do you remember playing that? oh god yeah yeah might be magic 3D. i think no, 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 it's the, it's the 3D Super Ghouls and, or Super Ghosts and Goblins yes, yes, uh, yes. game. And you play as a lovely little character called Maximo and you run around a little 3D space and they had a sequel called like Golden Army or something like that as well. Okay. That might be Hellboy. I'm Is that the one where you get your armor knocked off and you go down to your little heart, yeah, your little, little heart boxes? Yeah. yeah, it's such a nice little <laughs> reference that it is an amazing uh, platforming game. I absolutely mm. love that. So that's my I would throw... Nice. I'd throw in um, Kena Bridge of Spirits, the new one, because I just oh, yeah. I blitzed that in one sitting, and then and I've just never gone back to it. There's no new game plus. There's nothing else to it other than the first time through. But it's a perfect four star game. Mate, I've just thought of one. <laughs> Eight out of ten game. Yes. Tell me I'm wrong. Destruction Derby Raw <laughs> for the PlayStation One was amazing. I, I don't think I, I think Destruction Derby One and Two was oh, there another one? Freaking, yeah, that's the thing. Everyone played the first two, and it was yeah. like, oh, this concept's done. But Destruction Derby Raw was amazing because what it did was it like upped the craziness and just silliness of it all. Okay. And then what it did was it gave you the options to like instead of just being like a, an old stock car, it gave you like a van you could be in you know, or like a, <laughs> like a semi truck, just like smashing into people. Oh, oh, dude, that um, I think you've played Wreckfest, but like Wreckfest is I like have, the new age destruction derby like i just just give me more physics-based car games like they're yep. so few and far between last couple questions from first up russell kelly hope that we're both doing okay and staying healthy thank you have thank you, you guys watched a squid game also thoughts on the battlefield 2042 beta and um, that's out today so i guess we'll potentially check that out across the weekend but mm-hmm. what's your thoughts on squid game i uh, thought the sensation the the thing is, is that I haven't watched all of the series. Um, okay. so please don't ruin it for me. Um, I I thought that it was really, really. Uh, I love the concept. I love mm. the uh, the idea. The visuals are striking. There's a lot of work. I love the way it's shot. Yeah. Yeah. It just is a beautiful looking thing, mm-hmm. and it is 
horrendous in places as well like it is so tense and i i really love it as a concept it's like mm-hmm. murderous takeshi's castle like what's not to like about it's that? i don't know if you saw uh alice in borderlands which is another sort of um like battle royale like no, um, one, com- competition based game it's more it's set in japan and um, that one is but um, it reminded me a lot of that it's i'm sure it's called alice in borderlands but um yeah squid game immaculately shot immaculately edited i loved it loved it until the vips episode and then it just ate itself and I, it completely oh, lost no, me oh no is it Go, but it's just it's it's the episode where you find everything out and it was oh. the thing where i was like oh i wanted more from that or like oh that's not being it's done very well done and, series um they're apparently planning a season two now but and i think for right now it's still a season it's only one season oh, okay. but uh, i guess we'll see but yeah it's still i mean i still think it ends really good it ends really strong and overall it's super recommendable i just personally was quite tired of the reveal of the, the, okay. the, the sort of the thing that they lean on um i was just like oh we've done this we've done this a lot mm-hmm. and i thought you had something new um but the overall messaging in the show is so worthwhile the overall dissection of worth and purpose and what money means to people and stuff like that um i do love all that stuff so yeah it's a hell of a thing though like the rotten tomato was being 100% I know it's got less than that now but it was like the highest rated show for like the first week or something I never trace, uh, trust the Rotten Tomatoes more, <laughs> because the amount of times that I've uh viewed 100% films according to like mm. the and stuff and I've just been like okay this is this is so, bad this is so wanky <laughs> uh, last question from Nod Dog who says hello lads what game have you put an ungodly amount of hours into for no reason mine would be Jack 3 Oh, Jack 3 mate. is a very good game, mate. That's that's a very good reason. I'd say that I Jack say. 3 is, for me, better than Jack 2. I know that. That's, that's madness. That's, 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 I can't, I can't, you know I can't sanction your buffoonery Jack in the words of Tommy X Lee Jones. Combat ra- Jack X <laughs> Combat Racing is better than Jack 2. Why would that. you say that on the, on the day of my Metroid's wedding? Why would you, why have you, why, why have you gone there? Jack X, though, it's all right. It's still Crash Team Racing, mate. Crash Team Racing's better than Jack 2, if you want to just throw... I, a weekly, a weekly uh, show where we just say which things are better than Jack Two. Crash Team oh, Racing is yeah, better yeah. than Jack Two. What is Jack? What is better than Jack Two this week? <laughs> and I um, love Jack Two. Which is honest, that's one of my favorite games. I'm trying to think of what I spent an ungodly amount. I mean, Daisy is just one to uh, go back to that. I just think, why did I do it? It was just like <laughs> at a time in my life where I was just playing to chat with like some of the friends that I've mm. made online, and they just always wanted to play that. Mm-hmm. And I just remember just like. Okay, so what's the plan this time? Okay, right, we're going to run for 45 minutes to get to this area that may or may not have been looted. We might get shot by somebody straight away. Then you're going to be like respawning over here. I'll be over here. We'll have to meet up again and then do that. I was like, oh, that, why are we finding this fun again? I hate any game where you run more than you shoot. If it's a shooter and you're literally, you run for ages to get to the place and you'd have one tiny exchange with someone and you respawn 20 minutes away. I hate that so much. The, the only times that I had fun in that game were when it was just like me and my mates just like panning around chatting, like just, mm. just passing the time or the very few instances where we met another player and didn't immediately break out into right. a firefight. Like it was like, a, oh, let's talk to them. Let's do something silly to mm-hmm. them. Let's make them sit down by a campfire or like... Because like there's a new game uh, called Hell Let Loose. I don't know who it's developed by, but that is a very. It's like Operation Flashpoint. If you ever played that back in the day, yeah, yeah, that's like, like a realistic war simulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that applied to World War Two, and like and it's okay. really, really well done. But you are running for 10, 15 minutes to get to Ooh. somewhere to Ooh. for one bullet across the battlefield to take you out to reset yeah. and do it all over again. But Hell Let Loose is um, obviously it's very like people are checking it out at the minute. It's the PlayStation Plus game this month. I'm trying to think of like because I feel like there'll be something that I just. I've just thought of one. You mentioned it earlier in the. Um in the episode uh, with mm. Dynasty Warriors. Dynasty Warriors, like, <laughs> across the whole, has eaten so much of my life, but one mm-hmm. specifically, Dynasty Warriors 7, okay. I managed to go through and get every single weapon with every single character, which, for the record, is an insane amount of grind. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... um. 
we're talking hundreds of hours in order to get it. <laughs> and what was the point of it? Nothing other than to say that I did it. It's almost the, the most... same as like my friend Liam, who also uh -huh. did this challenge with me. He went off after that, and his next game that he played to death was Final Fantasy X, where he completed the entirety of the sphere grid. Uh -huh. I'm, not, I'm not talking about the, the skills <laughs> learned. He filled in every, every single mode. Mad. I love the Final Fantasy X sphere grid. I want if, if there's little that tiny bad. debates that split people, I love the Final Fantasy X sphere grid. Yeah, I don't. Mine would be some. I mean, the most hours I've put into a game is 620 hours into The Witcher Three, which Whoa. like. That, I mean, I, I, have, I haven't even done everything in that game. I just love that world so much that I was in it for most of 2015. That's so it's like, that's a lot of hours. But then they, they revealed like a couple of years later that the, the runtime uh, calendar was actually glitched. So it might not be that, but it definitely felt okay. like that. I definitely spent most of that year in that game. But um, yeah, overall though, thanks to everybody for sending in all their various questions and talking points and things. And we'll put another um, question tweet out next week. It'll be on Thursday afternoon, either from myself yep. or Jules. Um, you can find me on Twitter at slash LPA9. Jules, what are you? At RetroJ with a zero. Be beautiful. Thanks, everybody, again for sending all their questions and thoughts. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So we'll catch you all next week.